Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Okay, you know, this card looks great wrapped around you, you know. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. The God is a temple, that's why we're taught. Welcome back, everyone. 9.05 The Time, hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings. Day after Christmas Day, the Tuesday, December 26th, 2023 edition. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you from the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. Currently sunshine, 38 degrees. We're looking at a high today of only 52. Considerable cloudiness tonight. Occasional rain showers with a low of 36. And then for your Wednesday, partly cloudy and chilly with a high of 51 degrees. It's Tuesday. It's time to talk some roads. It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things Lynx. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The Rhodes men's basketball team about to become Road Warriors as they will hit the... uh, Air tomorrow, they'll fly out to Las Vegas, and then when they come back home, it's back on the road again. As conference play gets hot and heavy, they'll be down in the uh, state of Georgia. Busy, busy times, and that means busy times for the head coach of the Rhodes College Lynx. That's Zoe Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson, who joins us now in studio. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Good to see you. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's great to be back. It's great to get all the guys back today. How many days off did they have? So they had six days off. Wow, six days off. And today's yep. your first practice back? First practice back. We're going to we're gonna hit the ground running, go two days starting today. Do you expect rust at the beginning? It's going to be a little rusty at noon today. I feel, <laughs> feel like it's going to be a whole lot of so, rust. So we'll knock that off, and then we'll get going this afternoon. So you as a coach, you'll be easy on them because you'll understand the rust. Of sure course, you will. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had no expectation for them to work out and stay in shape, all that. They'll, they'll be reminded of how much they didn't do at you, noon. You guys run a nice roll before the break. I know as coach you hate that to occur. All of a sudden you have to stop, but it is what it is. Six and four as you play now in the D3 Hoops Classic. You'll fly out bright and early tomorrow morning. You'll play out in Vegas at the South Point. You'll play Whittier on Thursday and Laverne on Saturday. Two schools from California. This is a big deal. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. It's a, you know, talking with Dave McHugh, who's the the D three hoops guru, and the, you know he's he's kind of runs their their website and whatnot. This is an opportunity for Rhodes to finally showcase on a national stage during the regular season. This is the regular season event that everybody's trying to get into. It's not necessarily an invitational, but it, it pretty much is, and, and we're all really excited to have the opportunity. Us and the women's team are both going out there and playing in it. Well, that's that's cool. Oh, that's great for 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 both of you. And I mean, this is it's this is cool. It's got to be for recruiting purposes. I mean, when you have events like this on your schedule, trips to Vegas, kids, I, I would imagine that helps. It does absolutely. That's one of the first things that they talk about when they ask about scheduling. They always see that we take a trip to Daytona Beach or to Las Vegas next year, Puerto Rico, and the different events around. Uh, not only just the country, but internationally. And then we're obviously, we do an international trip every three years. And we plan to do Spain coming up in August. So, wow. an opportunity to take these young men and see places, heck, places I've never been. 
yeah. and an opportunity to learn about the different cultures and what's going on around the world, but also get to play uh, good basketball and continue to build a good program. So are the rules of the international trips for D3, is it the same as D1? We're every three. They're okay. every four. Okay. I think they're so still can, every four. So you yeah. can do it more often than We then. can do it more often. That's right. One of the old cliches is, we're on a business trip. We're on a business trip. That's right. Uh, is it hard to keep the focus of the team when you go to an exotic place, or in this case, you go to Vegas? It's a little more difficult at times, but you know, I, I've never put a, too much uh, emphasis on like curfews and things like that. I tell them all the time, they're adults. They're, they are young men, they're grown men, and then, and we're, they should know. And, and we have developed an environment of serious business all the time. And so uh, in our environment, I don't worry too much about it because I do, I do know that these guys really, really care about winning more than anything right now. And they know that in order to do that, they've got to they've go out there and stay focused. And then the flip side of it, you know, our game is at 1 on Saturday. They have an entire afternoon and evening going going into Sunday to, mm-hmm. to enjoy it and, and seek out all the things that Vegas has to offer. Well, the good news is Vegas, just a couple of days before New Year's, I'm sure there won't be anybody there or anything going on. No, it'll be very, <laughs> it'll be very dead this week. I mean, yeah, I would get yeah. imagine you know, it's really hard to find things to do in Vegas. It's certainly right before New Year's. Nobody around for, for that. But the, what, the, the two teams you play, what kind of teams are we talking about here? Yeah, so, you know, we got a, a, an interesting matchup on Thursday. You know, they've got some bigs that can really shoot the ball. Um, matchup with our bigs mm-hmm. that can shoot the ball. So, uh, pace are very different. Both paces are very different than the way we play. Um, so, we got to do our job and control the tempo of both games and not, not let other teams slow us down. And we're going to see a lot of that coming up going into to league play anyway. So, it's really nice to to get an opportunity to, to really see how we got to do what we had, the things we have to do to, in order to push the tempo when teams are continually trying to tempo us down, they run a lot of zone press to slow they're gonna, Both teams are going to do that to try to slow us down. So we got to find out ways around it and, and really keep the tempo up. If there is one area of concern about the team, or at least one area that you know, you must improve upon to get, to the tournament at the end of the season, what would it be? It's our on-ball defense. I mean, that's the one thing that I'm really going to harp on a lot today and the rest of this week is, is continually to, our on-ball defense has got to be better because we push everything down to the baseline. Uh, that's where our help is. We're giving up too much middle drive, so we've really got to get better uh, at that and, and, and take more pride in, in our one-on-one defense and that. But, you know, really, we, none of our defense is, is man-to-man. I mean, we, we push everything to our help, and we rotate out of that. So we're getting better at it, but we have to get a lot better getting into to conference play. When you talk about tempo and you wanting to play fast and, and you get these contrasting styles, how do you what, – what are the keys to be able to – speed up a game or when you get these because each side's trying to impose their will impose their pace how do you do that number one thing that i try to do and i spent a lot of time this past week trying to figure out what their press really is and seeing how they are where they're where they're starting it is a, is a really important piece for me because it gives me an idea where i can line guys up i'm always pushing guys two or three really steps behind the start of their press where we start our press offense. So it makes them adjust a little bit that way. And then really just, 
I mean, you know, the Michigan State, Tom Izzo effect. And anytime they make a bucket, the second you can get the ball at that sideline and keep them on their yeah. on their heels, the better off you are. You know, even if they're you know, you never slow down to let them set up their press, right? And so we really we're gonna work a ton today on what we call our free throw fast break, and it's also our layup fast break. Getting the ball out right away, get up the sideline so they they don't even get a chance to set up in their tempo press. And then obviously converting you know, quickly into our, our press, yeah, yeah. right? And getting up and, and being ready. That's one thing that, you know, you ask another thing we could be better at. We don't get into our press quick enough against teams that really want to push. So we got to be better at that as well. I would imagine a tightly called game is not advantageous for you guys. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. You know, we've always been a little bit more physical. Um, and so we we enjoy, uh, you know, being able to to be a, a physical game from from start to finish, there's a lot of fouls get called early, but it slows you down. If they, it does if they slow do, everything right? down, but then you know you also there's a piece of it that eventually they're going to get tired of blowing the whistle, and so they can't call everything <laughs> right. So there's that theory. So it, <laughs> one can only hope it, it does work against you sometimes as well. Do you, so, do, sometimes they call a lot more than you like. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, do you do you know right off the bat it's going to be one of those type of games? You know, I do. It, not right off the bat. Usually, and I was just actually telling my family was asking the other day about referees and why early in the game I don't say anything. I'm like, because you got to get a feel for the game. Mm-hmm. You got to get a feel for how they're going to call it. Because mm-hmm. you know, and that's really not just, even though the first four minutes of the first half may be called a certain way, and that's going to give you a feel for the first half. But they're going to go in at their halftime, and they're going to talk about the game, and they're going to make adjustments as well. So really, the first four minutes of both halves, I really stay back and try to evaluate how they're going to call it. Then that under-16 timeout is when I'll start making adjustments to to how they're calling the game. Well, And if you're, as a coach, lose your mind on the first call of the game— the officials aren't going to really be your friend the rest of the day. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> you know, but it's also, they're, you know, it's not like college football where it's the same referee crew. Yeah. Every single game and every game is very close. You know, they they have their trends and their tendencies. These guys are, some of these times are the first time they've ever refereed together. So they're still learning each other mm-hmm. in that, that time as well. So you got to give them a little leeway. And, and, and you know, there's, there's no right or wrong way. If they're going to call it tight, great. Call it tight the whole game. We just got to get so we can adjust to it. How many teams are in this event? Gosh, there's I think there's sixteen, eight and eight, eight men's teams, eight women's teams. Oh, eight men, eight women. Yep. Okay, yeah. But you go two and zero. Oh, it's not like you're crowned champion nope. because there could be another two and zero. Oh. Yeah, it's a classic now tournament. So right. it's an it's an event where the like, teams are already set, and so you're just going out there to to play on a national stage for a D three and get an opportunity to get a cool trip in for the guys. How are how are the matchups determined? Is it just draw? I think it's just a blind draw. I mean, yeah. they called me one day and told me, hey, these are the two teams you're playing. <laughs> Didn't really argue too much with it. Said, all right, good, good, appreciate it. Like they have in Division One, in Division Three, I assume that there's somebody that puts together crunches the numbers and has strength of schedules and things of that nature. Where does yours fall? So right now in <coughs> D3 Datacast, I think we're 101 or somewhere, 105, somewhere in that range. How many D3 schools? Uh, 418. Okay. 428, something like that. Top quarter. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's another one. There's Massey ratings, and I think we're we're a little bit different than that one. I think we're 150 in that one. So, you know, it's different. Different algorithms, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking a tournament like this can only help with your strength of schedule. Absolutely. So for this one, this is where there will be several committee members at this event all mm. week long watching games. And so for Division Three, this is one of the main events that 
<clears throat> the so-called eye test is put put to, to use. Record-wise, where are Whittier and Laverne? So Laverne is uh, three and four, and Whittier is three and seven. Okay. So, and you were telling, this is weird, there are two Lavernes. Two Lavernes. I found it out the hard way going into. <laughs> are they both spelled the same way? They're spelled the same way. One is University of, and one is Laverne College. So, <laughs> had to uh, take a little time to do my research and figure out, make sure I was scouting the right team, figure out who we were playing. And they're both D3. Both D3. That, that, that's just crazy. Can you imagine you scouted that team, went yep. over it with your, your players, went out there, like, wait a minute, where's number 14? Where's number 27? <laughs> wait, the team I scouted was green. Why are they in blue today? You know, something to that effect, right? Yeah, that's but, that's, that's crazy. But obviously, that's why you, you know, I mean, we we, we got to go and do our research. But it's funny, like, I was telling the staff, I don't start scouting until we get close to it. I don't look into it. I'm looking at the game ahead. And so when I was looking at it going into this week, it was uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> So you have these. these I want to see. I just want to. I, they should both be invited to the event. I want to see Laverne play Laverne. Laverne yeah. versus Laverne. That's Laverne on Laverne crime. Yeah. Um, all right. So after this week in Vegas, then you come back home and then back on a plane, head down to Georgia. You got Barry College. You got Oglethorpe. And we get into the, the meat of the conference schedule and all that. What, what are we looking at here? I mean, we're looking ahead a little bit, but what are we looking at with those teams? Yeah, I mean, both of them are, are really, really talented teams. I mean, Barry's won the league three, uh, four years in a row now. <clears throat> Oglethorpe has, I think they finished second two years ago in the league, and um, he's done an incredible job. He's got a great team. They beat Barry to start the conference season at Oglethorpe. And oh, wow. so he's done an incredible job this year and he's got a really, really good team and they're playing great defense and, and they're really you talk about team, they're pushing the ball and pushing the pace as well. So we got our work cut out for us in our opening uh, full weekend of conference play for sure. Was that are those two both picked at the top of the conference for this year? No, I think it's Barry's picked one, Swanee's two, us three. Oh, okay, so Oglethorpe was not top three. What is it about Barry? Wasn't that football as well? We talked about Barry being the power in, in football. Why are they so good? A, I mean, they've got a great uh, athletic department. Has done a lot of, of great things to to really support them. Um, you know, Angel is our athletic director. She's done a great job. You know, Jim Duncan here has been our right. AD for two years, and he and Angel are really close. And you can see uh, a lot of. The, their same tendencies and what we're doing now. You're seeing our football team and both basketball teams, you know, going to the top. And and Jim's done an incredible job. And, and, and Jim is a lot like me. He came in asking a lot of questions when he got the job uh, to the right people, the successful people, and how to, how to get it done. And he's done a, a similar job to what Angel. And Angel took the job. She had to really turn it around from the from the top to the bottom. And uh, it's really it's all about the support, you know, and and. They're getting a lot of support, and you're and we're doing the same now, Rhodes, and that's why we're starting to pick up. So they're kind of like the model right now. I would say so in the league. I mean, they've they've won a lot, but you know, we won a Commissioner's Cup, you know, two or three years in a row. So across the board, with Rhodes, all sports, yeah. with all yeah. sports, Rhodes is is the is the model when you come across the athletic department. But uh, as far as basketball, football go, we're we're catching. We're catching them. By the way, before we let you go, you said the women are going out there with you as well. How how's it going so far for the women? Women are doing great. You know, they played a top ten schedule in the country so far. Really? I mean, they are, and so they're they're just at five hundred. And but with their schedule and their power ranking, I think they're top twenty five or top thirty power ranking in the country. 
Judy, she's a uh, first-year head coach. She's doing an incredible job with the schedule she inherited. She's really she's made uh, she's made lemonade out of a bundle of lemons that were handed <laughs> to her. As far as the schedule, I mean, she's they've got a great team, great players. Not, that I didn't mean anything against them there. Yeah. Just meant the schedule oh, was handed to her and, and in a tough how, spot. And we know how great they've been over yep. the years. I of mean, they, they had put together some uh, terrific programs. All right, I know it's going to be a uh, early, early morning for you tomorrow as you fly out to Las Vegas. Want to wish you nothing but the best. We'll talk about it next week when you join us. Looking forward to it. He is Zoe Goodson. He's the Rhodes men's basketball coach. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. Catch him every Tuesday during the uh, basketball season. We started out with football. We continue through the basketball season talking roads each and every week. I do want to talk Lawn Solutions right now, lawnsolutionsinc.net. Give them a call at 901-867-5626. They are a locally owned weed control fertilization company that serves the greater Memphis area in the new year. You want that lawn taken care of so when spring is sprung, those weeds aren't anywhere to be found. They can take care of any disease your lawn has or any insect infestation. Again, this is not a lawn mowing service it is a weed control fertilization company again it's a locally owned family operated company so give brandon holly a call he will take care of you in the new year 901-867-5626 or go online to lawnsolutionsinc.net when we come back we get back to college football with blake topmeyer from usa today network you're tuned in to sports 56 mornings with greg and eli on real sports talk sports 56 and 98.5 fm Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports 56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again... Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. I really don't see how Laverne got two universities and Shirley got zero. <laughs> Shirley got gypped. Like that's I mean, I think Laverne was the better, but Shirley shouldn't I mean it shouldn't be a two O situation. Is there a squiggy college out there? Shirley Shirley's gotta get some respect. Three bowl games tonight. Bowling Green, Minnesota, Quick Lane Bowl, Texas State Rice, First Responder Bowl, Kansas UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl. I don't know. So far, just uh, I haven't gotten into the bowl games, but it's about to be a different story as things are starting to heat up, especially for all those SEC schools. And it is time to talk a little bit about that. We are very pleased to be joined by our good friend, Blake Topmeyer. He's the SEC columnist for USA Today Network. You can follow him on Twitter at btopmeyer. He joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. Merry Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year, Blake. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, same to you guys. Hope you had uh, some uh, nice relaxation, little time to uh, kick back before you get really, really busy. Yeah, we did. did Had a little time off uh, for the holidays. It was nice. And uh, uh, just like you guys, kind of jump, jumping back into it today. So the bowl schedule for you, which, which games are you going to be actually at? Yeah, so I'm just doing the, the semifinal uh, with, with Alabama, Michigan, and the national championship. Um kind of kicked around the idea of trying to do a game on this 30th as well mm-hmm. but uh you know with the semifinals being the first all the way out um in in california you know just the, the cross-country flight situation um just just doing the semifinals and and, and probably the championship and and that's sort of the uh 
the way of college football, right? Yep. I, I think it kind of symbolizes <laughs> the direction that the sport has has gone. This is actually uh, this is actually my first year in which I won't do uh, at least one additional bowl game uh, on top of the the playoff. But you know, part of that, like I said, is is because uh, you know the game I'm covering is, is out in California, uh, and so just travel situations. But as I said, part of it's just um, kind of where the sport's at right now and and it's going to be like even even more so right when the 12 team playoff gets here there's going to be a lot of good i think come with that but some bad too like um the degree to which some of these other bowls kind of cling to some relevance now um i think when the 12 team playoff here is here like that's all going to be gone it's it's going to be a hundred percent playoff then and and these bowl games mm. uh, are are going to be like the NIT, uh, in which nobody cares at all. I mean, I, I, I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched an NIT game. Um, right, <laughs> and, right. And that's the way the the other bowl games are going to be uh, once once the twelve team playoff is here. Is there anything you think that could possibly be done to? Make it where the players, the opt-outs, and all of that thing will no. Will, will, we could reduce those, or is it just this is what it is? There's no changing it, and people just need to accept it. I don't know that there's any changing the opt-outs. I mean, they they would have to be really financially rewarded. Um, I think to cut down on the, the guys going to the NFL. I mean, the financial reward to play. Um, it would have to be pretty huge, mm-hmm. I think, for a lot of those NFL-bound guys. So one thing that I think would make the non-playoff bowl games more interesting, I don't think it'll happen, but if we're just talking about intrigue, would be if you let the inbound players play oh, really? in the bowl game. For like, the new team, the teams they join. Correct. Consider, for example, um, Kyle McCord, transferred from uh, Ohio State, wound up at Syracuse, right? Mm-hmm, um, right. Yeah, yeah. And so Syracuse played its bowl game, you know, a few days ago. Uh, their quarterback, their starting quarterback, didn't play anyway. Uh, Garrett Schrader mm-hmm. uh, had a uh, shoulder surgery, uh, I believe, so he didn't play. So they're playing a backup quarterback anyway. Um, if you're a Syracuse fan and Kyle McCord, who you think is going to be your quarterback of the future, is suddenly allowed to play you know he's only got like what a week or 10 days probably to prepare after he transfers um but if he if he can get himself ready and and play with his new team um i think that would make it interesting it'd be be like an nfl team right who maybe you know acquires someone uh mid-season and and gets them ready to get them ready to play and 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 then and then they're out there a week after yeah after acquisition (laughs) um i don't think I don't know if that's great great for the sport, right? Um, but there's a lot of things that happen that maybe aren't great for the sport. I, I think it could make those games more interesting. Now, I don't think you could do that for the playoff. I think that's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, allowing a team to you know make a December acquisition and <laughs> and all of a sudden let them play for the playoff. But the, if we all acknowledge the bowl games are, are kind of going to be kind of they're going to be meaningless uh, once the twelve team playoff is here anyway. So if we acknowledge they're meaningless. You could let the inbound guys play. Now, the freshmen, you know, I don't think an 18-year-old kid's going to be ready to sign yeah. the first week of December and play in a bowl game three weeks later. 
but your transfers, some of those guys, if they, if they could get ready enough on the playbook, they probably could do it. I don't think that that rule would happen, but I do think it could add some interest in some of those bowls. No, I I, I think I, I I understand where you're coming from. I just obviously the the best thing would be to move the whole portal window after January 1st and te- and players are still with their team and they want to finish off the season with their team, but that's a whole different ballgame as well. It just seems like right now, as you said, next year, once we go to a 12-team playoff, there's going to be little to no interest in these bowl games. And right now it's waned. The interest has certainly waned. But here's the thing. The the networks are fine because they need programming. So they have games. Mm-hmm. As long as they have games, they're fine. And then the players, you know, the, right now they got the portal and they're jumping in the portal and they're going to different places. So they seem to be fine. I think who's going to suffer is the actual people who run the bowl game that's not owned by ESPN. Uh, for example, here in Memphis with the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, because now I think you will have a lot less people that will actually go to the games. The attendance, I think, of games will go down because the interest will be all about going to represent or watch your team in the playoff or just to see great football that is meaningful football. Yeah, I agree. And I think you're going to see teams from the power, well, I guess we call power four conferences, certainly the, the Super Two, mm-hmm. the SEC and the Big Ten, I think we we could see teams opt out, whole teams, not players, teams wow. opt out of, of playing in bowl games if they don't make the playoffs. To uh, to a comparable extent that we see teams do that with the NIT, right? Some mm. of your blue blood program, True. If they have a bad year and don't make the NCAA tournament and, and get an invite to the NIT, they say, no thanks, we're just going to shut down the season and, and get to the offseason. I think we will see teams do that. Um, from the SEC and, and the Big Ten as as these bowl games uh, reduce in, in relevance. Uh, I don't I don't think we'll see that like from Group of Five land um, or, or maybe even you know say from like the Big Twelve. Um, but I but I do think if you're an SEC team, um, you know, say you had aspirations of the playoff, um, but you, for whatever reason you didn't hit them, you had a down year by your standards, you finished eight and four. Now you got a wave of players heading for the the transfer portal. Um, I think you could see a whole team say, um, you know, schools say we're not going to accept a bowl bid. Uh, we're we're focused on the off season. We're we're done here. We yeah. didn't make the playoff. We're going to try to make it next year. That's where our focus is. So you mentioned you'll be covering the Rose Bowl and then the national championship game. Do you believe you'll be covering Alabama in both of those? I do. Um, I think this is a good matchup for Alabama. Um, I, I look at Michigan, and and I think they're strong in a lot of places, and yet they, they've they been winning games without having to complete many passes. And um, I, I just struggled to see Michigan beating Alabama that way. I mean, I guess they could. You know, it could be a real defensive struggle in which a team – you know, one of these teams wins, say, 17-14 or something. But um, I just I think you're going to have to have to throw the ball a little bit um, to beat Alabama. Alabama's really strong in the secondary anyway, but I don't know if you can be one-dimensional on offense and, and beat Bama. And uh, I mean, gosh, it's been probably it's been since like the end of October, the first week of November, somewhere around that timeline, since Michigan threw for over 150 yards in a game. I think. Um, I mean, they've really been hanging their hat on defense. 
and the run game, uh, which was which was good enough for him to win these Big Ten games. But I, again, I, I just struggle to see Alabama losing that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if this game comes down to a battle of quarterbacks, which I don't know if it will, but if it does, I think that's advantage Alabama. Um, so yeah, I think this is just a. I, I think it's a good matchup for Alabama. I, I think of the of the the teams they could have played in the playoff. Uh, I know Michigan's got the number one next to them, but I think it's a pretty good draw. Um, and maybe part of that is the last two seasons rattling around in my brain. You know, Michigan made it to the playoffs the last two years, and then you know choked in the in the semifinals each time. Well, I guess two years ago. I don't know if that was technically choking, they, but, but they got run over mm-hmm. by Georgia two years ago, and then last year they, they choked against TCU. Um, so, and I, and I don't think this Michigan team, again, despite the fact they're number one, I don't think they're better than the teams they've had the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is a good matchup for Bama, and I think Bama's going to win. I don't disagree with you. In, in, in fact, I, I think Bama's going to win that game as well. But it's amazing how we judge. I'm talking about everybody. You know, from week to week. Uh, obviously, last night in the NFL, you know, the 49ers were on a tier by themselves, according to all the experts, and then the Ravens yeah. crush them, and now the Ravens are on a tier by themselves. Well, when, when Alabama was struggling to win the Iron Bowl, if I had asked you that night, okay, it's going to be Alabama and Michigan in the playoffs. First of all, you'd probably say, I don't know if Alabama's going to make it, but right. who would be the favorite in that game? You'd probably go Michigan. Michigan would probably win the game. So it's amazing that like one performance, we're judging it obviously on the Georgia game as to where Alabama stands. And I don't know, maybe we're not giving enough respect to Michigan, even though I do agree with you, Blake, that Alabama's going to win the game. Yeah, and I think the other sort of mystique factor or whatever is, you know, you give the whole cliche of, well, you give Saban a month mm-hmm. to prepare and mm-hmm. you don't want to play his team. And, and it's cliche, I think, because to a certain extent it's it's true, right? Um, I mean, Alabama, have, I guess it happened one year, the first year of the playoff, right? They they lost in the semifinals, if I'm remembering correctly. I think correctly. that's right, yep. Um, the, the year Ohio State won. Um, I don't know. that Was there any other years where they got in the playoff and lost in the semifinals? I think maybe it was just the the first year. I think every other year they've gotten in the playoff. Um, they haven't necessarily won it, mm-hmm. but I believe they've gotten to the championship game. Right. So, you know, when you add in that cliche that, that has some truth behind it, of uh, you give Alabama and Nick Saban a month to prepare, they're usually pretty darn good. And, and we think about, you know, Michigan having a month to prepare the last two years and hasn't done anything for them. And um, So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I do think you're right. Like, if after the Iron Bowl, if they would have scheduled this game the week, the next week, if they would have been playing first weekend of December, I think you know Michigan probably would have been a much, much bigger betting favorite than than they are now, where it's basically a pick 'em at this point. I think um, and they might be a one point favorite or something like that. But um, yeah, it, it, but we think back to two years ago, and it was kind of the same way. Uh, Alabama had to they won the Iron Bowl there on the plane in overtime, um, and then they didn't win the national championship, but they, they go in after that. They win the SEC championship. Uh, they get the rematch against Georgia in the national championship and lose, but they mm-hmm. didn't get to the championship. And it, and if you think about the Iron Bowl that night, it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, they, they almost lost to Brian Harson and, and, <laughs> and a bad Auburn team. Right. Um, but 
it was the Iron Bowl, and I don't, you know, I, I really haven't been making excuses for Alabama this season. I really don't want to start now, but um, I will say those Iron Bowl games in Auburn, um, historically, you know, the last 10 or 15 years have been very, very tough on Alabama. They, you know, they've lost a handful of them, and then there's been a few others where um, they've been kind of fortunate to escape with the victory. That's been true in Auburn. You know, when, since Saban's been there, um, those Iron Bowl games in Tuscaloosa have been have gone pretty favorably um, in Alabama's direction. But but the ones on the plains, they they've been they've been tough on Alabama, and it's not always been an indictment of of what's to come. Uh, around the corner, sometimes those are just like one-off games where they they really struggle in that rivalry game to um, to win with authority in Auburn. To your point, by the way, on Michigan McCarthy, the last four games, the most yards he's thrown for is one forty-eight, and he has one total touchdown pass in his last five games this season. And that's the thing to me. You talk about Nick Saban giving him you know the thirty days to prepare. You give him thirty days to prepare for a team that's like. You can kind of give him one thing to take away. Like I feel like he's—they're going to come up with a way. Like we're going to stop the run and make McCarthy beat us. And I don't know that he can do that. Yeah, I—I I, I don't know either. And and maybe maybe this is just me not, um, you know, giving enough credit for how good Michigan's defense is or whatever. But but I think Alabama's defense is pretty good too. I don't know if it's Michigan good, but it's—I think it's probably top five, top ten in the nation. Mm-hmm. Good. So you, you got two good defenses. Um, we know Michigan can run it, but like you know, if I look at like where's the X factor, um, I think I think Alabama's quarterback is the X factor, and I think um, I don't think Michigan uh, has faced a quarterback as good as Jalen Milrow um, all, all season. In fact, um, I think I would probably say with some conviction they haven't faced a quarterback as good as Milrow all year. Um, you know, to his Little brother Tulia um, mm-hmm. at Maryland is a pretty good player. Uh, he he would probably rank at the top of, of the list of quarterbacks they face. Uh, otherwise, I'm I'm kind of striking out to think of good quarterbacks. Yeah. No, I think Michigan's right. gone up against. And of course, year. a quarterback uh, a quarterback who was benched during the season, <laughs> and, right, and right, then, and then yeah. turned it around. No, I I, yeah. I think you're right on with that. All right. Um, we were throwing this around a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, we'll leave it with this, we're, and we'll have plenty of times, so hopefully, knock on wood, to talk to you in the future about next year. But right now, off the top of your head, we know that the aforementioned Jalen Milrow is returning. We know Beck's coming back to Georgia. Texas and Oklahoma are coming into the SEC. Ole Miss is getting everybody in the portal. You know, Missouri's coming off an unbelievably. Who would be in order your top five going into the SEC next year? Right now, I won't hold you to it. Oh, great question. Um, yeah, top five, I would probably say, um, well, I guess I'd start with Alabama. Uh, they, they, they win the SEC this year. They got the, their quarterback coming back. Um, you know, they signed another good class. I'm, I'm sure, uh, yeah, I, I'll go Alabama. Uh, I would probably, I would probably go Georgia after that. Um, then Texas. So those those would be my top three. Uh, although I could probably be convinced to to rearrange them mm-hmm. to some degree, even if but they I, even I, if I, they lose yours to yeah, the NFL. Yeah, uh, that then it becomes then it becomes probably requires some deeper thought. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but but yeah, for now I, I'll say those are my top three. Um, I think, boy, maybe I'm overlooking someone, but I, I think I'd go Ole Miss yeah. number four. 
with how much <laughs> my gosh the portal king this time he's really <laughs> earned the name <laughs> i mean they're just cleaning up and, and transfer land um so i'd probably go Ole miss number four um LSU's losing a lot. They are. Between Daniels and, and the wide receiver talent. Uh, so I'd, I kind of want to go LSU 5, but when I think about who they're losing, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I'm going to bite on that. Um, Oklahoma, they're, they're handing the reins to uh, the freshman quarterback, Arnold, there. How's that going to go? Losing Dylan Gabriel. Tennessee's Boy, handing the reins to a rookie, too, aren't they? I mean, to a second year guy, Nico, right? Is he going yeah, to be the guy? exactly. So I, I, I don't want to go with them. Florida's a mess, and, and I think it's going to stay a mess. Uh, who's my number five? Is team? Missouri getting back a, a bunch of those guys, or are they losing them? Brady Cook's supposed to be back. They'll lose Cody Schrader. Um, Missouri was a great story this year. I I think that the schedule's going to get tougher on them. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of struggle to see them repeating. I still think they're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be number five in the SEC type good next year. So... This is going to be built on reputation, and I, and I think it's. I'm, I'm not sure my argument's going to be a great one, but I guess I would say LSU, um, just based on the program, based on on the coach, uh, you know Brian Kelly. I don't know if he's delivered to the extent that LSU has wanted him to right. at this point, but he right. but he's won 19 games through two years there. Uh, they're losing Jane Daniels, but. Um, Garrett Nussmeyer ready to take the reins. I think he's a, a strong quarterback, but they they got to reload. Um, so I guess on, on some blind faith that they, they'd be able to reload and, and I guess some question marks about what I also see elsewhere, uh, I, I guess I'd land on LSU at number five. Like I said, I will not hold it against yeah, you. It's, it's very, very early, uh, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about that in, in, in future weeks. But next week, it's all about the national semis for you. Um, it's going to be a fun time. Let's get to some uh, some important, meaningful football, and it's uh, right here on the horizon. And Blake will have you covered. SEC columnist for USA Today Network. You can follow him on Twitter at B. Topmeyer. Happy New Year. Again, belated Merry Christmas, Blake, as always. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, same to you guys. Good talking to you. Thank you now. Fleet Feet, the place to go to get all your running gear. Uh, you want to go get shoes just right for you? Go see the folks at Fleet Feet. They'll take care of you. Maybe a New Year's resolution to start working out, running, doing that stuff more in the new year. Well, you want to make sure you get the gear, and the folks at Fleet Feet will take care of you. You go in there to either one of their two locations. They take a look at the way you run or the way you walk, and they'll get you fitted in those shoes that are just right for you, plus all the other gear they've got you taken care of. You could go see them in East Memphis in the Laurelwood Shopping Center or out in Collierville, the Poplar Houston Levy, next door to Huey's. Two locations for them to serve you at Fleet Feet. Got some NFL news, and we'll get back into basketball with the Grizzlies in action tonight in New Orleans when we return for our final segment. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Well, the end of the year is a great time to buy a car. A lot of folks buy their cars at the end of the year, and it's a great time. It's a smart thing to do. 
And, of course, you can do that over at Acura of Memphis. Get yourself a great deal on a great automobile to end 2023. Maybe it's a new vehicle. Maybe you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle. They can take care of you with whatever it is you're looking for at Acura of Memphis. Online, acuramemphis.com. That's where you'll find it. You can get a lot of information on all the different models of Acura, everything you need to know before you go over there. But go take a test drive. Talk to the great folks at Acura Memphis. You'll be blown away. You're always going to have a great experience every single time. So go see them at Acura Memphis on Ridgeway at 385. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, now the betting favorite to win the most valuable player. According to a tweet I just read, would be the youngest quarterback in NFL history at the time of his second MVP. Right now, he's 26 years of age. Seems like he's been playing for 20 years. He turns 27 on January 7th. So at the NFL Honors is when they give out the awards. He would be 27 by about a month and would win his second MVP if that's the case. And right now, I would have to think that's the guy. Right? Brock Purdy has played himself out of it with that. You cannot have a four-interception game. You, you just cannot. McCaffrey is still a possibility. But then again, you look at all those great weapons with the 49ers. When they didn't have Debo Samuel, they weren't playing as well. McCaffrey's great, though, and I can easily see him winning it. Maybe they go outside of the quarterback slash running back realm. Maybe Tyreek Hills missed a couple of games with Miami. Maybe they go with a defensive player. Look what Miles Garrett's done with Cleveland. But I would have to think Lamar Jackson is, uh, right now, unless something catastrophic happens over the next couple of weeks, Probably going to win this thing. Uh, he certainly is in a good position. You know, they've got the Dolphins coming up this week in another big time game. Um, uh, if if he has another good game there, they beat the Dolphins. They secure the number one spot in the AFC. All of that stuff finished with the best record in the NFL. Uh, it all likely that he wins it, but just like with Purdy, if all of a sudden he has a bad game against the Dolphins, they lose the game to the Dolphins. It could change in a hurry, um, you know, especially if Tyreek Hill goes for 200 yards in that game against the Ravens or does something mm-hmm. crazy, mm-hmm. which he's capable of of doing. Um, you know, Purdy certainly. I, I think McCaffrey is the more likely candidate from San Francisco than Purdy, um, especially after last night's game. But and and certainly, I think McCaffrey could still very well win it um, with some big performance over the last couple of weeks. But if Baltimore wins out, finishes with the best record in the league then I would say that Jackson probably is a lock to win it. Marcus Smart has been upgraded to questionable with a left ankle sprain. He's missed the last 16 games for the Grizzlies, and questionable usually means he'll be able to go. And hopefully tonight will be the case. Most likely. Um, he will be in action. That's the way the Grizzlies normally do it. If they upgrade you to questionable, that usually means you're going to play. So it'll be nice to see Ja, Jaron, Desmond, Marcus Smart all together on the basketball floor for the same, for the first time this season. By the way, the, the Atlanta game is great. They win on, and, and Ja had some spectacular plays. But we could all agree, right, that the Ja block was a goaltend. Oh, gotcha. I, I didn't know <laughs> how, at first. I don't know I how didn't they know. didn't call that, honestly. like uh, That that blew my mind that they did not call that. I So I, I see the block, right, watching it live, 
and nobody really says anything. I don't see anything on Twitter. You know, Pete doesn't say anything. I'm thinking that is clean. And then when I went back and I saw, people were wondering if it, it hit the backboard. No, that wasn't the case. It was coming down. It should have been goaltending. It no never was going up. I mean, from the time he shot it, it was coming down. So yeah. like, there was no way to block that cleanly. Hardly, I couldn't believe well, you, the officials you, let it go. Did, so you you saw it with your when you saw it live, you knew right away. I thought oh, that's absolutely a goaltending. See, I didn't pick it up right away. I was like, wow, what a block! And then I went back and went, yep. Yep, it was definitely a goaltending. But tonight again, it's the New Orleans Pelicans, the start of three straight road games, and the game on Sundays at home against Sacramento. A pivotal four-game stretch for the Grizzlies, who are 3-0 with Ja back in the lineup. Town Village Ottoman Park is senior living in today's world, offering more options to fit your needs more than ever before. They are dedicated to the long-term satisfaction and the quality of life for their residents. All they ask is that you're 55 years of age or older. Located at 950 Cherry Road, just off Park Avenue. Looking for a place to live out your golden years, a loved one's golden years, this is the place, folks. Give them a call. Set up a tour at 901-537-0002. You will not be disappointed. TownVillageAudubonPark.com. Short-term respite stay is available. Independent living, monthly options as well. And the amenities are absolutely amazing. Apartments include full kitchen, washer and dryer, bi-weekly housekeeping, outpatient therapy, a community social area featuring fitness center, home theater, game rooms, indoor pool, whirlpool, on and on and on. It is Town Village Audubon Park, 950 Cherry Road, just off Park Avenue in the heart of East Memphis. Give them a call at 901-537-0002 or go online to townvillageaudubonpark.com. That'll wrap it up for today. We appreciate you listening, folks. Our thanks to guests Connor O'Gara, Jeff Crane, Zoe Goodson and Blake Topmeyer. We are back tomorrow bright and early starting at 7 a.m. Andy Borman scheduled to join us. Memphis Tigers assistant basketball coach plus Jerry Palm to Michael Cole on the Grizzlies. And our final five favorite things ever. Your five favorite things about your life, about you. Let us know. Your five favorite. Put your list together and get them into us. Wallo and Friends on Sports 56 is coming up next for Eli Savoy and for Zach Boyd. I'm Greg Gaston. Have a great Tuesday, everyone.